So what you're telling me is that your official advice is to drink enough coffee to kill a horse? <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Enough of course. To drink kill the horse. enough to kill a horse. That's poetic in every way. I mean, you. Well, maybe you don't, but I drink like a full, like, I don't know how big that is, but that full like, that thing, thing every day. I mean, that's probably like. A full carafe. It's a, a, a whole coffee carafe. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a 36 ounce. Or, I don't know what it is, to be honest. It's got one dot and then two dots. It doesn't explain what the fuck that dot. That's a really good. That's a really good measurement system. <laughs> I would guess it's like maybe thirty-two ounces. Still a sizable amount of coffee. I respect which is, that. Which is like a venti. That's a venti. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's more like sixty-four ounces now that I think about it. Because <laughs> I, it's definitely like a lot. A venti, venti. Yeah. It's Holy a, shit! It's a double trenti. <laughs> Let's get this shit on the road. <laughs> Welcome back to class, everybody. Hi, I am your day late, dollar short, Professor Ricky. Yes, <laughs> I'm your prof, Eth. Decided, hey, you know what? We uh, will take a beat. We're coming in a little late this week with the re- with the release, but gave us time to really sit down and. Well, I can't say that entirely because I kind of already watched most of the show that we're talking about today. So I went down a rabbit hole on YouTube of uh, beatboxing, like beatboxing competition. And the musicianship is fucking insane. I'm now learning that I'm more partial to the loop station where they have machines augment their beatboxing, but all the sounds have to come out of their mouth initially. The shit they create in three minutes, it's like rounds of three and they each get uh, two rounds, two rounds a piece. It's a head to head battle. It's very, very intense. And that crowd is... I think this is exactly what I was talking about the other episode where we were talking about just like random communities on YouTube. This is 100% that. And then I started watching reaction, the people who like do the reaction videos of the stuff. And it turns out a lot of the like highest names in that are also reactionary. So the community is actually super tight knit, very good sportsmanship. And frankly, it reignited my love for like EDM a bit that I hadn't had since like college for beatboxing. Like since fucking when, dog? Bro, you should check out some of that shit. But honestly, speaking of reigniting love from things from the past, today we are talking very, very, I would like to think positively about a show that hasn't necessarily been what I would say treating its fans with the same quality it came right out of the gate with. Well, I'm happy to report, I'd like to think from at least my perspective, that this show is back in full fucking swing. Not maybe a day late, but definitely not a dollar short. Ethan, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about season six of My Hero Academia for our basically... Yearly or bi-yearly or something like that. We always hit it. State of My Hero Academia. Um, But in this case, uh, I've got two, like, I guess, warnings coming up. For one, I mean, we're going to be talking about this season, like, pretty, I I feel, in-depth. Yes. Like, like specific episodes and plot points, basically from the rip. So, like, I don't feel like this is any type of situation where if you haven't seen season six and you care about spoilers, you should continue listening. Yeah, if you are if you are jumping into My Hero at the sixth and penultimate, like, chapter or saga in the anime, 
you are either insane or just like really an agent of kind of chaos. And either way, I I guess I salute you. You do you, y'all. So spoilers abound from the beginning, honestly. Right. And then my second one is I've been listening to a British audiobook and an Australian audiobook. So there is a 99% chance that I will whip out some dumb accent at some point. That makes me the 1%. (laughs) Unbeknownst to myself. Unbeknownst. Or well, it would behoove you to definitely slip it in there yeah. and make sure you uh you time it well. Well, not on purpose is what I'm saying. Oh, you, oh, you're saying it's just gonna naturally slip yeah, in. Yeah, I have like issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see, I have issues. You see, I can't even stick to my own region. That's the thing. I'm not. I'm not region locked. He's VPNing with his own voice. That's exactly right. <laughs> so where do we start off with this season? I mean, I. Up to this point, we've had a lot of criticisms when we do like my state of my hero academia. Um, and it, it up to this point, seasons maybe kind of three, definitely four, and a lot of five. It felt like the magic that made the early days of my hero were not exactly present. And I think it's it, this season really does uh, reinforce what makes this overall world and narrative so potent and i mean what do you what do you think that the those middle seasons were lacking before we kind of hit where they all kind of came back in season six i think um you know what they did and i'm i'm looking through the this kind of i don't know if you're watching the video if we've ever put it out but (laughs) um what i'm looking at right now on the ipad is like all the different episode titles from season five and then obviously season six when we get into that but like kind of looking back through there was so many episodes related to like either like off meta villains yeah right i don't remember what that fucking guy's name was but the air guy oh uh uh criminal gentleman or gentleman criminal I don't know if that's even close to true. I don't know. That guy. That guy. Yeah. Like, wow, a super cool guy and like a cool power set, I guess. But like definitely off kind of track to the main storyline. And then also like looking through, there was like five or six episodes of last season related directly to like past events. And while it's very good to get kind of more context as to like where where all this stuff came from or, or like where your current plot was derived, like getting origin stories for villains, like I'm personally not ever really all that enthused by them. Cause I, and, I, and I think this season I'm going to have a lot of criticism related to like the villains, um, like their, uh, their, their modus operandi essentially is sure. being like... Sure. People were mean to me, so I'm just going to kill a whole city. I didn't like seeing sad faces. Like, it's just kind of, they're just such weak motivations. Yeah. Like, and I think that's why a character like, I believe it was season three, Stain. Um, I think that was three, yeah. Had, like, really good motivations, because, like, it's clear to see, especially now, with all the, like, in-depth kind of uh, bureaucracy we get to, like, look through... That there is obviously a, clearly a darker underbelly to the like hero profession. I like that a lot. The the idea it's not just about the motive. I think a motive can be strong, uh, even in in the context of the world. But I think it's exactly that the context of the motive within the world itself. 
That's what made Stain so potent because his motive was both really strong, but also it was very much cemented in the context of the world. His his context as a villain couldn't make sense in most other worlds outside of MHA, right? Like the idea of Stain being like, there are no true heroes. Heroes have become just these money grubby like you know, just uh, faces for the public. They're not really doing what a hero should be doing. And therefore, you're, you're all fake as fuck. Like, and, and that's not a world that I consider just. That is intrinsically tied to the world building up to that point and a proper, not, not even satirical, a proper criticism of the heroing world that MHA has set up. We didn't get that for like, Two and a half straight seasons, I think. Even uh, was it a overhaul? Literally, I think yeah. I think his uh, his motive, while strong, really didn't tie very strongly with the within the context of the world. He's just like, I want to break things down and change things. I'm like, yeah, well, Shigaraki wanted to fucking do that too. Like, okay, I don't know. You're just like you're like a bargain bin Kmart Shigaraki at that point. Um, so I I like I like that that the the what was missing for me was the you know the criticism of a world so black and white like heroes and villains superheroes and supervillains we had the black and white all might and all for one that was a great conflict there but then when that faded away i feel like that was the moment that the show kind of like really fizzled for a long time for me because that's a good opportunity to see the gray yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you make kind of like the middle seasons exciting when your whole job is to like power people up. Yeah, right. So right. like obviously they aren't going to be useful on like in large scale battles until you've powered them up, right? So like it does take time. I think what they could have done a little bit better is if if like per season they had dribbled out one of the one for all powers. Or, yeah. or all for one, I mean. We will definitely, the yeah, one for all. We I can't will, stand that they did the like opposite. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to narrate on, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's like hard when to, you're just like you know riffing, and then you're like, wait, which one did I just fucking say? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I really think that, that there might be one criticism. I one of the few criticisms I have of season six was that, and I think you you kind of nailed it. Two birds, one stone. There, they could have dribbled out more. They did give illusions to the vis- visages of the old uh, uh, owners of One for All. Right, they did that in like episode five. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. They, they had a good game. Go- they were doing the right pacing thing, and then it fell off the map almost entirely until we finally see Black Whip. And it's just like, but that was like years, years and years of content. I also think that they've, they've made a, like a massive mistake with this like basically percentage of his power kind of thing. Yeah. Because, like, he's in-game right now, essentially, and he's at 45%. And it's like, right. shouldn't that be closer to, like, I don't know, 75 if you were, like, trying to really be, like, conservative? Because there's, there's actually, like, quite a few episodes in this season where he's, like, full power. And it's like, right, not right. really, because you're at 45% of one thing, and then you're stacking a bunch of shit on top, which... Don't get me wrong. I'm really liking that he's finally integrating like the actual use of the quirk. But like, there's just like this weird I think dissonance between the fact that he keeps mentioning he's like 
killing his body with 45%, but then he's like, I'm full power now. I can go as fast as you all might, maybe faster. (laughs) He keeps saying that. I'm I'm stronger than you right now. And I'm like, since fucking when? Well, one, sure, all might is skin and bones right right now. He's he's like like, at his his peak. Yeah. yeah, And I'm also like, no fucking way. There's no fucking chance. He was like teleporting. He was changing weather. He was like Saitamoing out there. Right. Exactly right. So it can't be, can't be, we can we can talk about the power cliffing here in a second, but all that stuff, right? The the grayness that's worth exploring in a world of such perceived black and white, good and evil, and those you know characters embodying the criticisms and then enacting upon those criticisms within the world, keeping interesting villain dynamics and like a battle of ideologies is where at its core what makes MHA very strong. That was gone. And then season six hit in a huge way for me in that category, because it does more than just like one through line. We have several good through lines of this exact thing we were missing in this season, for sure. Um, And we they got wise or the narrative got wise and pulled out a, a compelling reason for pro heroes to get involved, you know? Yes, which we had and, had. Yeah. and sort of like a good, good. Um, well, finally we have stakes, right? Like people are dying off, people are leaving the hero profession, right? Um, which is kind of what All for One wanted for a long, like to, to to crumble away at that idea. But I think it actually does a good job of kind of showing what Stain was talking about is like these people aren't really for the cause kind of shit. You know what I mean? Not really they ain't really their, for the streets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-mm, they're not willing to lay, lay it down the ultimate sacrifice. They ain't there for the city. They're there for their wallets. Right. For the, for the clout. Those little bitches. No, so like, yeah, we, we really start out the season with the, uh, an understanding that the uh, villain association, which is what they'll be named, they have a different big name now. I think they just call it like Metahuman something alliance or... It's not important. Villain Association are finally making real moves. I think it's People's Liberation Front. People's Liberation Front. Which is really weird because there's a lot of um, <laughs> like terrorist groups in real life called like PLO and things like that. So it's yeah. like, I don't know if I would be... A little, anyway. little on the nose there, yeah, guys. Yeah, just a tad. Yeah, so the, the beginning of it is really like, we, we had some of the pieces in place, right? We had... Hawks, who I love him as a as a as a hero character, really really keen on uh, showing what another side of maybe a, a a darker type hero willing to get his you know hands dirty in a way that is more espionagey rather than like bombastic and questionable means. Like I'm thinking like a if Bakugo never grows up and he just starts like blasting shit and like causing collateral. Like, oh, that's a questionable hero. He gets it done, but at what cost? Now, Hawks is more of a quiet, subtle kind of guy in terms of the way he infiltrates the, the organization. He's a little Bruce Wayne-esque, I'm going to be honest A little with Bruce Wayne-esque. I like that. Because he yeah. does, he spends like, well, a good portion of this season in a hospital bed. But other than that, he does a good, good amount of like detective work. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fun to know that like, there are detective type heroes. I think one of the most compelling um, parts of like the DC universe is that there's so many like quote unquote superheroes that are just like detectives. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is like really kind of like an interesting idea. That Um, They're super in other ways than just like boom, punch pal. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is just like kind of a fun, I think dichotomy against kind of the superhero could just smash world. But uh, in this case, 
Um, like definitely Hawks was interesting and he brought kind of like a, a weird aspect, I think, to the beginning where, you know, he, he seems to like genuinely care for Gene uh, twice, right? Yeah. In, in such a way that he's like, look, we have to take everyone down, but like, dog, I can, I can like, you know, we can be friends. I can rehabilitate you and then we'll, you know, we'll be chill. We can be boys. Yeah. You, me, all of your clones. We yeah. can all be boys and hang together. So that that's another great way too. the first episode of the season is called A Quiet Beginning. And right. it's kind of the first like the first chunk is really the backstory of Hawks is really interesting. We did talk about how backstories could be a bit non-compelling, but for Hawks to be such a central character to get this information to kick off the more action packed part of the season is really nice to see kind of he was he was indoctrinated from a young age like your son has like a very versatile quirk like to the point where it would be irresponsible not to give him special fast tracking to hero training and he was just kind of indoctrinated into it and um through his efforts they had found out that uh shigaraki whose body was kind of like uh, absolutely fucked uh has been kind of uh on ice so to speak kind of getting uh getting cooked a little bit well i think he's more getting juiced up oh yeah he's getting cooked he's getting beefed yeah he's he's a raw piece of meat that needs to get absolutely like swolled up and uh so this is actually i think i thought pretty interesting it's sort of like a callback well not sort of it is exactly like a callback to what happened with midoriya early on whereas like their non-suited bodies to it to a specific quirk had to be strengthened in order to actually even use the quirk um, to like a degree where you're not just like ripping your body apart every second. Um, and I thought that was actually a really like skillful way to like essentially put chinks in the armor that is Shigaraki um, by essentially like um, basically the the main idea in the beginning is like all the heroes, essentially all the big bad boy hitters. Yep, are in two locations. One is uh, where the People's Liberation Front are, or might have been like metal, meta human, some shit like that. The, the, I thought the, it was the People's Villain Squad, Villain yeah, Squad, the, um, Suicide Squad. The villain assholes it. are all in this big like hotel in the mountains, and then uh, this <laughs> doctor created all the new uh, Numa and or what are they called? Uh, Nomu. Nomu. Yeah. Uh, Numa is a power source from the book I just listened to. So <laughs> it's in the brain. Um, anyway, the Nomu and also like basically all for one's like number one right hand man asshole. Yeah. Um, that dick is working in this hospital called Jura Hospital. And so basically Endeavor's taking like a fucking hit squad to go knock out the hospital while all the rest of the heroes essentially with like Com- combatant abilities are going after all the PLF uh, fuckers. And that's that's kind of the that's the play. We the the whole objective. We need to stop them juicing up Shigaraki. Right. And I, I love that you said that too because it also really secures. Uh, it's another you know nail in the coffin of the idea. That's a bad metaphor's running away from me. But the Shigaraki and Midoriya kind of yin yang kind of duality of each other as the successors of this generational battle between all for one and one for all is that the way that they go about getting their bodies prepped right Midoriya 10 months hard ass work absolutely three a day like craziness just to get him to a point where he can like maybe start to use it without absolutely ripping his limbs off but they 
the the villain side just like all the resources to just fuck all that we we we're just gonna like at shigaraki's detriment almost get him as ready as possible through whatever bodily means necessary and it it's clear that like when he's kind of out and about later it's it seems as though that he is tearing himself apart in another kind of way right there's no more of a mental tearing apart of a mental fortitude thing I don't know. I, it seems like there's a lot of like they are one and the same Midoriya and Shigaraki just through completely different lenses and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we got that big fucking invasion. We got the new, I don't know, everyone's thirst trap Mirko, who is essentially bunny girl, like crazy senpai kind of chick. Um, she is uh, she just has the power of a rabbit, but she's an absolute fucking beast mode kind of chick. Yeah, um, there was like a nearly unforgivable <laughs> scripting early on uh, with Mirko. She goes, what's up, Doc? And She uh, does say, what's up, Doc? I'm like, come that is on, literally guys. untenable. <laughs> um, Can't but she, forgive that. She does like pop off later on, so like it was okay. Yeah. And uh, she very clearly was like willing to like go down for the cause, which I thought was pretty chill. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, I I think the early, I I liked that they were bringing in like the work study students on the like um the mountain retreat. Oh yeah, attack in a lot better way than uh the attack on the hospital. Um, so for the hospital, they they used them all for just like evacuating the city, which like of course is I guess sort of important, but like. It's just weird to see your main character not directly involved with like the main strike, if that makes sense. It, yeah, that, I I was wondering that too. That the, the distribution of characters kind of here were it was interesting, but also we, all the fire firepower was on one side. It was odd. I I think it was because the the sense of threat, like Shigaraki, was the threat. That if he were out, that the moment like if they were to fail, which they kind of do, then they would need all the firepower there to contain the beast that has been kind of unleashed from that tube. Well, I think it was just because Endeavor, the two, the three work studies under him were Bakugo, Todoroki, and Midoriya. Midoriya yeah. Dragon Lady was there. That's why um, Gravity was there. Y- yeah. I think. Gravity was... Yeah, she was there. No, she was there. I just don't know who her her like work study person. Oh, was. um, gunmetal. The second time, I think so. Because they did their internships originally, and now they're in work studies. That's true. Which I necessarily the same thing. Oh, was it the guy that had like the concrete shit like on his head and his wrist and the wrist? He has a blue outfit. He has like big, like big concrete. He gives his heroes like his takes the costume off at the near the end. That guy. Death arms. Death arms. That could have been, I think that might have been you, Ravity, because she's like, I can learn some more fucking sweet kung fu from him. That's pretty lit. That'd be, I think that might have been it. But in any case, you're right. Completely unrelated to the story. Yeah, not even a little bit. But yeah, we, we, we do have finally the first real showing of what a slightly, we got an awakened Shigaraki kind of at the end of like against Dispo, I think his name was. The guy that uses stress as energy. Oh, uh, Redestro. Redestro, that's it. Yeah. We kind of saw him awaken. So we knew that he had, correct me if I'm wrong here, his decay ability had awoken, 
to then transmit through things that are also touching the things he touches, which is really scary. So before, if he puts all five fingers on a thing, that single thing deteriorates. So if he did it like to you, you would deteriorate. But if you're standing on the ground, the house you're in too could also deteriorate when he awoke it. And then he was juiced up even further. We saw the kind of shit this guy can do. Yeah, I mean, he was already strong pre, like, essentially awakening all for one. Um, And honestly, this was like a little bit of my concern for the first, I guess, one third of the show. Like, he awakens and he's only really using like three powers, but he's got, I think, nearly infinite cash of powers. Yeah, I think he's like a direct link to to uh all, all for one so i mean yeah so he's like barely using any powers and in like waxing everybody which is whatever and then they take away his powers with a racer head and he's still waxing everybody with just his physical body and i'm like what the fuck is going on that's that that's the, that's the power of science baby it I was guess, fucking stupid i guess that's what they're trying to get at is that he's just like quirk or not he's been augmented to that level is that maybe that's what they're trying to show? And well, I just th- I think they made a little bit of a mistake there with like how they cor- kind of choreographed this. Yeah, because there was also a scene where Midoriya jumps on his back and he uses a hundred percent power and punches him in the head, and the guy like grabs it with his mouth. Yeah, and, that's right. And I'm like, Midoriya would fucking splatter your brains all across <laughs> the fucking field if he actually a hundred percent. You'd be a red you. mist. Legitimately, <laughs> it's so stupid. I I don't I didn't get that I think that was a there's an element of like innate regeneration that was given okay but if he's hitting at 45% and like doing damage and then he goes to 100% and he gets a direct hit on your fucking head that would splatter it across the yeah. fucking cosmos oh wait a minute I, I think I remember the detail that a racer head can erase a quirk a quirk and I think the quirk that either because I think they explained it his ability to see via like vision into your vision is that he shuts off the biological one that's associated to you i think multiple quirks are given non-naturally are not inherently tied to like your substance so he can Uh, can remove decay and i think that's what they're trying to maybe go for like we can't have him level another fucking like city we can't have that no i don't i think he was fully nullifying all quirks Oh, sick. They I missed con- that. They continually kept saying, like, I mean, only the one target he's looking I guess multiple targets he could be looking at. It seemed like anyone in line of sight that he was, like, choosing to turn off because he had multiple Nomus caught in his his sight oh. beam early on in the, in the hospital. And then later on, he takes away Shigaraki's. And they're like, he's doing this just with his physical body power. <laughs> physical body power. Yeah, you're right. That's a bit of an odd thing. Maybe a bit of an ass pull. Um, I will say the one thing we did get that was really good in that fight was Bakugo's save. That is something that is a fantastic callback to the earliest days of My Hero. And it really starts to show Bakugo's growth. Where Midoriya was mid-air, we had Force Quirk activation, who's about to get his, literally get one for all stolen, and Bakugo took the stabs and, and for Midoriya, and we can discuss it more later, but in a different context later, he kind of comes out and says, my body moved without thinking. You just looked like you needed help. And I'm like, that's a fantastic point of growth for a guy who, like, 
three seasons ago would have pissed him off fucking royally. Like literally that exact attitude out of Midoriya absolutely got him cracked and just like not just so upset. So for him to then now have that instinct, thanks in large part due to being around and watching Midoriya's growth, fucking good character growth, good development. Love it. Yeah, I think um, at least Bakugo is is starting to really realize that it's sort of like a different fight here. Like he'll he'll never be able to actually keep pace with him early. Like it's certainly like a situation where Endeavor had to fight his entire life to even like become number two, right? It was pretty distant too for a long right. time. Yeah, and so like I I think he's probably coming to the realization that he's going to have to like really continue fighting along, but he doesn't want to win by like submittal essentially. Yeah. You know, forfeit. Yeah. By letting Midoriya kill himself because he's trying to be a martyr, which comes back up again later, which we'll get into that shit. Um, I, I, I think I also find it interesting too, because it was subtle, but you, we got the whole, the whole narrative before the context. There's this whole narrative of the Todoroki family. We get a lot more uh, depth and fleshing out of the ideas of that for those that are need a little bit of a refresher. Endeavor, a.k.a. Daddy Todoroki, was so obsessed with trying to best All Might and be the number one hero that he went down a really dark path of essentially quirk eugenics. He went into a marriage with someone who had an ice quirk specifically to create a designer baby that would have the 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 best of both quirks and for fire to complement ice and vice versa in his mind the successor the way he performs succession which is kind of a narrative through line for this season is like extremely uh, more than questionable it's abhorrent like i would say i kind of got a different impression entirely of him via the information that was dropped this season versus every other season. Oh, yeah. That was the context. We got more goods here. Well, I think they tried to make him look like he's a complete monster previously. Yeah. But with context, I actually think, like, a lot of his decisions weren't, like, that nuts. The designer baby thing, like, I think, like, you could, I guess, look at it like that. But this guy came... I mean, like, arranged marriages are a thing in Japan. I, I think that's, like, first of all... Like something that needs to be like, we need to just cool our American jets. Oh, and then sure. this guy's, the, this girl's dad is offering her like, which like I'm not saying I'm a fan of arranged marriage, but no, no, no. he's offering I, her, and he wants Todoroki's money because his like once prestigious family has fallen into like, uh, you know, essentially dis- disarray, dis- disrepair, destitution, destitution. Yeah. Um. So Todoroki does that for them. It seems like actually early on they're they're like not that bad pretty, of a it's a pretty amicable initial situation. Right. Yeah. And then they, they start having kids and it seems like his issue with Toya was that like so basically what ended up happening is Toya got the body essentially made for an ice quirk, but he had the power of like a more hyped up version of Hellflame. Yeah. And so every time Toya used his power, he was like injuring himself. Like if the human torch wasn't actually inflammable. Right. Right. Or 
I don't know. He it was he was not resistant to the flames his body was produced. And we know what happens when a when a body isn't kind of built for the quirk that it has. We see it with Midoriya. We see it with Shigaraki at points. We saw it with Toya. So uh, so essentially, though, the whole point that um, Endeavor originally was after is like he knew that he was not going to beat All Might. Uh, this was like a young, up and coming number two hero endeavor, and he realizes he can't make his his um, his fire hot enough to like attain like a close enough, uh, you know, to be on par with All Might. Yeah, right. Because right. he would do like irreparable damage to himself, and like that's not a sustainable power set. Exactly. To, to constantly fuck yourself up just to like beat villains. So. He, he had wanted some sort of like, and it kind of makes sense now, like having that cooling ability to like keep your body cold while you're just like absolutely shitting out flames. And vice versa, right? Because we saw earlier when Todoroki was using nothing but ice, he would get so cold that his body would start to shut down. Because that yeah. was when he was rejecting using his quote unquote father's quirk, which, you know, Midoriya slapped him silly and said, it's your fucking quirk, dude, use it. Um it's literally called half hot, hot half, half cold. Hot half, half cold, baby. So I let me let me let me kind of refrain the language then. Cause one, I loved the nuance of the, the Todoroki kind of line here. Everything the only part that was a nuance was the obvious shit that spoiler alert, the villain Dobby is in fact Toya, his estranged child. Um, that he thought burned himself up, essentially. Which I think was pretty obvious. And, yeah. And I thought it was kind of funny that Toyo was like, how did you not recognize me? You know what I mean? You yeah. fucking loser. Yeah, you have. I'm like, look, I'm a guy with blue flame quirk with like fucking charred skin. Who else has that? Right. And, but, oh, but his hair is dyed black. Whoa, whoa. No, but the, the other part is that I, I think I may have mentioned this in this other, uh, my, the state of my hero kind of thing. Like quirk eugenic slash designer babies makes an incredible amount of sense to be an occurrence in this world. Of course, of course, arranged marriages for the explicit per like pursuit of like good bloodline and good when you have a genetic based power. This is an inevitability that I think a lot of potentially genetic based power shows run away from. And I love that they finally really got to the heart of like the lack of humanity that the children felt and maybe more of a nuanced take of Endeavor's position and his his journey through all that. Yeah, um, so actually I view it and I, I think this was part of the nuance is like he seemed like actually a great father early on to all three of his kids. He just, to- I think he lost his way. Well, Toya was so much, had so much more potential than he did himself and he was so hype about it originally but when he realized he was like murking himself, he basically told him like, you cannot be a hero. Don't do that. He just didn't have the, I guess, interpersonal relationship ability to like level with his son being like, look, I love you. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Like that's literally all Toya needed. Um, so Toya took it as like, oh, he's throwing it, throwing me away as being useless. Why won't he see me? Which he right, never yeah. actually said. He didn't. In no, any no. of the scenes. Um, and... I think Inji just struggled immensely to like actually talk with his kids on like a level on a level that they would understand. But it seemed like he was not bad to Natsu. He was not bad to Fumia or whatever the fuck her name is, Fuyumi, until Todoroki or Shoto was born. Yeah. And then it got like fucked up because he didn't want them to like 
essentially, Toya basically told him he was going to kill Shoto. Yeah. And so, like, I think all of this stuff was built out of Enji's uh, fear for, number one, not... For, for his first son to die and then like a fireball like he does do yeah so yeah, seems yeah. like a founded actually fear um and then number two he was afraid the other children would kill shoto because they literally threatened to do that so like i don't feel like his like i think the 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 base um center of his whole point just to like breed a child to then beat all might like i think it is it comes off really bad, but like the idea of like your parents wanting you to do better than them is, I think not, I think every parent agrees with that. So I'm like a little bit confused at the like abhorrence that everybody feels. Maybe I haven't seen like post season six, what people are thinking, but like, obviously for the longest, everyone was like, Oh my God, this guy's such an asshole. And I, I really like, the only thing I was really not cool with was like him beating the shit out of his wife at the end. But like, she also was absolutely in his ass about this. And he was asking for her to like be the caretaker. Essentially. He just, he seems to like not be able to like actually speak what he's like needs. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's too used to being like that stalwart number, number two hero that doesn't have to ask for help. Doesn't have to do all this stuff. Right. And so when he's like, you deal with him, I think she took that differently than he meant deep down. And I think obviously Toya took it differently, but um, his wife was all obviously like in his ass, like saying shit that like when you're mad as fuck and somebody's like, calm down, it's like, fuck. That's the last thing you say. Explosion. So it's sort of like that. Here's my, here's my kind of, I would say rebut, but more of like my perception on it is that thanks to the information we got, about his story and the family's kind of entire history. To your point, I did not think it initially started that way. And in fact, I believe that the tale went that him and his his wife did actually have some kind of love for each other. And it was genuine and true there. But he lost his way in his pursuit as a grieving father that lost the potential pride and joy. Not at the... He lost the potential of a successor when Toya couldn't handle his power, he lost his son when it was, it, he perceived it to go too far and he wasn't there. So the other part is that these other, these other children that he had that never quite, you know, lived up to that successor level. It, they said it themselves. You just pawned, you didn't care or saw us. You put us under mom's care who did love us like a mother, not as just like, the breadwinner of the family when Shoto was born. And then in that pursuit that like it strained the marriage, it strained his relationship with the rest of his kids. The man broke, the man broke down. And the reason why I think that it's a really interesting nuanced journey of someone who had high aspirations for the next, his next generation to someone who was completely blinded by the pursuit and left a path of human suffering in his wake within his family was that he recognized it all. He said, you're right. You're, you guys are right. Like if it were like, if he came out and said, no, 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 this is what I thought. This is what I meant this entire time. It'd be one thing and maybe a different flavor, still interesting, but a different flavor. But he was very repentant. He's very acknowledged the, his flaws as a father, as a husband, and to his kids, to his wife. 
And I think that it's he's a man who now has basically, to your point, right, this big stoic figure, this paragon of justice, unwavering and unshaking, has now kind of bent himself in prostration to his family. Like, look, I, I'm, I'm not Endeavor right now. I'm your father. I'm your husband. Please give me a chance to give me a chance to to make this right. Um, and well, that's I think a it, slow process, as we saw, but it's it's getting there. Honestly, his story is the most compelling out of all of these. It really I think is for, for the entire show so far, just because like I think it really does a good job of highlighting the pressure he felt like he was under as it's well. Pressure. It's pressure. It's like you know you can't ever show kind of the like defeat in front of the media. Essentially, it's kind of an interesting like not really allegory, I guess, but. Uh, comparison to like what you see from like uh the boys, where like yeah yeah Homelander can't ever look weak. You know what I mean? Like because it, like the perception essentially because Homelander's not weak, right? So he can't ever look that way, right? Yeah, so that's the thing. Same thing with All Might. He took it a lot more like black and white initially, but Endeavor being the number two, still having to enact like a world class hero, both on and off like you know, the screen and in his duties and everything, you're, you're right. It's, it's kind of showing a cautionary tale of what it means to be an icon when this season also has other instances too, where heroes are just your neighbors, man. They're people. They're people like you. They may be special. They may have been chosen by some kind of genetic fate to, and then took, took upon the call of civic duty. But at the end of the day, they're still just people. And we see the effects of the weight of that's what made All Might such an interesting, like, number one, because it never seemed like that weight got to him ever. And he took that on wholeheartedly because his journey was bigger than him, but Endeavor was just him. Right. Right. right, right so, right. so like, Endeavor, it's like, this is All Might was the ambassador of a power that was passed on for literally generations. And now. He, with such a lofty purpose, I think comes the kind of power to persevere in that way and be that number one, be that true face of peace and justice. Endeavor never had that. Endeavor was just a man who worked his fucking ass off, but he was just a man who wanted that dream more than anybody else. Yeah, I think also he has like, um, there, he has a literal physical limitation to how great his power can be. And I think that's probably much harder to deal with as well because it's not like a situation where he's just like not strong enough. Right. Like he right. is strong enough. He just literally would like kill himself. So it's like... Um, he can prominence burn his ass into space if he wanted to, but... Right. Yeah, he, he'd cook up, so... And, and then, um, I, I don't know, just like I think it brought a lot more like visceral feelings. Like you could tell he was like fucked up that his, his first son was hurting himself. And then he was like triple fucked up when Toya was going to kill Shoto. And, and I don't think those are like feelings that anyone would disagree with. Like your, your child like almost killing themselves with their ability and then your other child trying to kill your other child. Like, right. And it, it, for him to be that number two and try to be that number one to the world externally, he couldn't really save much within his own family. And that's, I think that's the kind of the growth that we see in Endeavor here. Like, for all that I have accomplished for the world as a hero, 
I couldn't save shit for the people that should have cared the most. They are literally trying to kill each other internally. And that, that breaks a man. That's, that, that's what I think what happened ultimately with the, the famous incident with Shoto and his wife where he burned Shoto and like really kind of laid into his wife in a really not okay way. Like that's a broken guy. He, he hit a limit that I think a man could. That, and, and to what we saw, I, can you blame that? Like, those feelings are fucking real, and they're heavy. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty surprised um, the mom was so easily, like, crumbled by her kid's words. Like, he's obviously a child. He's obviously in, like, a tough spot. Like, you shouldn't take those types of things so personally. And it really seemed like that was really the catalyst for, like, her... I mean, like, obviously her and NG aren't are perfect or in a perfect relationship at that point. Right. Because he was like, you fucking deal with them kind of thing. But, like, for that to be the, the tipping point to where, like, she sees Shoto's eye and she sees Toya's eye and NG's and then fucking, like, burns his face. Like, it just seems like kind of like a really low uh that, that, yeah, that's low a, barrier to fucking your kid's life up. Fair enough. Yeah, that's a, that's a really um, good point. Um, but so I did want to say one sure. more thing. I thought that that, like, the reveal was really cool for Dobby. What a he's he's got screws loose, but in the best way. Yeah, very I love like it. wily. Uh, I think use of this information to like really turn up the you know turn the screws. Essentially, I do think it was cool. He was basically like, I don't give a shit about any of this like League of Villains shit. I don't care about Shigaraki. I don't care about any of these guys. What I care about is like what Stain was saying, because that motherfucker was right. And, yeah. and it's like, I guess from his perspective, like um, it's, it's sort of the same thing as like the public perception would only think of these heroes as heroes, not as people too. And he never really stopped to think about his dad as a person and like what he's actually is thinking. Um, well, I almost think that like he he very much thought of him as a person because he did want to break him down as a hero, but he wanted to, he wanted to break the man too. Like he really wanted to break because by breaking the hero, you got to break the person behind it. He saw that firsthand. No, I think he wanted to show the world that he's a person, not that he's a hero. Sure. Okay. Yes. That's, that's kind of same spirit energy. Just trying to like, if I can show that you are as vulnerable as any other human being, it's like by how, how do you kill a god? You make them bleed. Yeah, like mentally, like fucking with them to the point of just like breaking down what would otherwise be a tall standing hero I by did, attacking the person behind it. I did want that scene to play out differently. I thought it would have been cooler and basically better for the story if, like, the second he like reveals that it's Dobby, if Inji just like goes to him immediately and like tries to like hug him and then Dobby just like blasts him through the chest like not knowing that he was going to do that because he's like has oh, no so really trying to like lure him in like I've been, I've been waiting to tell you this dad I don't care about all this shit and gets him in just no 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 like Toya thinks he's gonna fucking just come beat his ass oh but he's clearly Inji is making a serious effort to change his life here he really did care about Toya. It was obvious oh, right, right. In, yeah. in all the early scenes. I think it would be like way more interesting as if he just like went to him immediately, tried to hug his son and like crying, like I miss you so much. I can't believe you're not dead kind of thing. Completely throw Dobby off. But like Dobby thought he was attacking him. So he kills him. Like 
Oh. I just thought it would have been much more of a like. That would have been like a, rede- a redemption item, like the mo- like a, p- a pinnacle of redemption for the man. That, but also I think it would have been like way more dramatic later when to- uh, when Shoto's clearly going to have to deal with Dobby. He's going to have to deal with Dobby, yeah. Because it's like kind of stupid now. I think Do- uh, NG plus Shoto versus Dobby should be like a pretty easy waxing. That's, that's a win. That's so a I don't see why yeah. they wouldn't have tried to ramp up the like the juice a bit. And then also... I think it would have been a very interesting thing to play off as being like number one hero dead. Again. Again. Or like out out of commission or something. In the worst possible time. Right. I just think it would have been, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like fussed with this like timeline or storyline or whatever. When when it's this good, you're, we're down to like critiques. I just think it would have been like, it ramped it up even fucking harder. Right. Right. Um, and that, and that probably would have put some impact back into what was ultimately a pretty obvious tell that, you know, Dobby was one of the Todorokis. I don't know if we knew exactly Toei's name until this season. Um, we didn't know about it in season five, right? We got all the stuff. We did. We did. It was okay, a okay. hellish Todoroki family part one. There it is. Um, so, yeah, that would, to your point, that would have put some oomph back in that, like, you know, that truly showing that the first step to he's, he's really trying to change. And well, I just think Dobby it would have been like yeah. Dobby being like, wait, what? Oh, right. Like he actually missed me kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Like I completely essentially collapse his, his, his like weird palace he's built in his head. Yeah. This, this pedestal he's put his dad on is like the, the root of all evil. And then he's like, shit, maybe I was mistaken because I was a little kid when I was mad. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I guess. We, we're gonna get in the dark deck here in a second but i mean honestly at the end of the day i i do kind of like the way that it did end because it is meant dobby as a character toy as, as a character is supposed to represent the culmination at least in 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 spirit uh the culmination of of uh you know endeavor's mistakes like as as a father i know we've talked about how maybe it wasn't so black and white it wasn't so abhorrent but the, with such a nuanced thing has to kind of come like, you know, Shoto can represent all the best of the Todorokis and Dobby represents all of the mistakes of the patriarchs kind of take on things, you know, to, I, for better or worse. Yeah, for better or worse. I, I really don't like that. I mean, you're totally right. That is what they're trying That's what to they're show. Doing. That's but what they're I doing. do not like it to like say, well, this is a bad version of what happened. This is the good like the any like family with like one messiah. And all the other kids are just like fucked. Yeah, basically, it's like not really an ideal, I think, story to be telling. Because Messiah I, versus Pariah, right, that's what that's that is. Not bad. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, uh, where's Jariah? No, uh, <laughs> where's Jariah? <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so after that, there's a lot of stuff about like the sentiment of this, like essentially this population that lived in Jaku city that got fucking decimated. Oh dude, instantly. And, and I think a lot of it would is, is realistic to what would happen. But one kind of thing that I thought was interesting is, um, they basically took this whole episode to do like a recap of the entire beginning of the season. Oh no, they always do that shit. And I always skip it. It was episode 14. Yeah. Okay. They, unfortunately trick you early on to think that you're going to get information exclusive to this episode 
being like, after it all happened, I read the report and I'm like, okay, let's hear what the fuck happened. And then it was just like, told us the entire story up to that point. And I'm just like, why? Four season boys. Now we know my hero has been doing that shit for like three seasons. Like they, they find a way to slip in some weird, like recap episode because they know they do double course. But and it 14 takes a while. was weird. Uh, yeah. Like why I, put on episode 14? I, I guess that puts 13 in the first one, 14 in the second. Cause I think it ends at 28, right? Or 26, something like that? That I don't know because for whatever reason on... 25. On Crunchyroll, they decided to just leave it as like episode 135, episode 138. Weird. And I I can't do math. Anyway... Fucking recap. um, Damn, I was going to say something important. (laughs) Recap and then sentiment and then... There's sentiment of people in the Jaku City that's something that's actually really realistic. And then, yeah, yeah. You want to recap? There it is. Yeah. Anyway, I think it would be very realistic to what people would think to argue to the FBI, to the police, to to CIA, if any like crazy terrorist attack were to happen in real life. Yeah, a general distrust of the kind of protection measures that we've been promised work. Right. Right. Um, yeah. But one thing I think that was kind of an uh, this is like a stupid take, I know, but <laughs> um, one thing that was interesting is they mentioned that. Or, or it might have been all for one had specifically mentioned in one of those like weird like narrations over like the scene that was going on. I, I didn't really like what they did with all for one here. I didn't quite get what the fuck was going on. But anyway, for he was like, well, everyone just was relying on heroes. So now all the like regular quirk people are weak and like losery. And what I think would be interesting is if you had set this entire show in Korea where they have like mandatory military service. Oh, interesting. What it would it would be super interesting uh, to see like a quirk army. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or yeah, like but- you have to go to the military, but your quirk is I shoot out goldfish or something. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> right, what I mean? Like, right, 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 like right. really like pulling in the the idea of like there's a base level here where you have to like have a base level of competence. Like instead of of holding up like a hero academy as being like so fucking prestigious it would have been really interesting to see if like everybody has a like some capacity to protect themselves yeah and i i think that that kind of gets to the heart of like really the final arc of this season it gets to the heart of the problem kind of from a hero and civilian dynamic like to your point right why is there these like you know elated small selective institution for heroes rather than everyone having mandatory like competency with their quirk right or some kind of combat right kind of share the love but that's i think that's the one of the critiques that we see very well done there here i think is that by making it selective you may have more potent individuals but a much flimsier infrastructure altogether and one all for one is very aware of that. Very aware. There's more than one ways to skin this cat. And he's slowly chipping away at what he perceives, maybe correctfully so, a very fragile uh, uh, a veil of peace. Yeah, it's a vulnerable uh, armistice. Lacks redundancies, right? You need right. To, you, need, you need different layers of this shit because you have literal gods of themselves future gods themselves in training the police 
Yeah, and I, I do think that that's kind of an interesting thing is like, I think guns would be actually fairly potent in this world. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not, like, so many quirks that are just like, yeah, by the way, I'm fucking bulletproof. And who's fast enough to light their quirk up in the face of a bullet? 1,300 feet per second with my <laughs> Kimber Steel Raptor 2. Kimber Steel Raptor 2. Seven bullets. Uh, uh, 45 ACP, full metal jacket. No, I, I mean, like, okay, Fat Boy, or whatever the hell his name was. Uh, yeah, f- uh, Fat Boy. <laughs> A taxi? Oh, um, gum? Fat gum? Yeah, yeah. Fat gum? Yeah. Like, I don't think he would die from it, but, like, a lot of these other people, S.H.I.E.L.D. guy obviously wouldn't, but, like, Aizawa would die instantly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it just seems like, um, I guess a little bit of an oversight? I, I would think that there'd be a lot more, like, right to bear arms type shit in a world where the guy who isn't doesn't have a gun is shooting fireballs well that's right and i think that is the the fallacy that all for once trying to expose right is that in in the face of a system like the heroes and the heroes associations and stuff like that you all have kind of left left it up to them and it's it's another question that we saw uh Iravity ask well she's like who protects the heroes when the heroes need protecting when they need saving there's systems in place that don't exist for that. Um, and I... It's like I, outsourcing all your coding overseas. Oh, yeah, yeah, As long as I don't find out, everything's cool. <laughs> yeah. But then what if they strike? Well, what then I, I mean is like, <laughs> then your company has no competency in that. Right. No, no ability to main, do it themselves so if, right if, and no agency if that were to fall right then what yeah exactly absolutely right. it so we see we actually see that now in this final arc in full force and pretty on i would say on the nose but in i think a good way the the key here is that shigaraki kind of being the uh, ambassador for all for one has made it very clear that their objective is to get one for all like that's clearly it wherever De- wherever deku goes there will be agents of all for one following them. So in Deku's mind, he had made the decision. What you may have to remind me a bit. Was it the decision of the heroes association or the, the heroes in general to be like, we're going to use you as bait or did he offer himself up as bait? I can't remember. That does change things though. So I think he is obviously in on it. He, uh, yes, clearly in, but I, I'm curious. I can't remember the exact so the top three decide they're going to like team up okay, specifically to try to catch these bad boys. Get the bad boys. Got them. And they're using Deku's one man army against all the like released prisoners of Tartarus as a like, let's just wait and see for an assassin to come get him and then we'll track back from there. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think obviously um, Deku at least in the the last like four or five episodes is clearly on his like martyr arc. It's a martyr um, arc. Yeah. And so like he would never not put himself into danger if it was like an option to end this, to end all for one, to keep his friends safe kind of scenario. Um, which, uh, I think he did it in kind of like a dumb way, like writing him on a note. I think he should have just vanished. And then it would have been like much more, like, they wouldn't have come fucking get him if they didn't know where the fuck he went. You know it's, what I mean? It's still all... 
he's still Midoriya, right? At yeah, the end of the day, I guess. You're, you're, to your point, right, right. He he could have done that more cleverly, but I mean the 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 story being that I I think what I found interesting is that you know at first I thought Deku or they call him or it's called the Dark Deku arc. He seemed basically literally tireless in his pursuit. And I at first I found it like, okay, he's just being a martyr kind of for martyr's sake. That's just who Deku is. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I think there's a little bit more to it. I think he recognized that to be the number one hero, to be the successor of all might of one for all, you have to be this, you know, unwavering hero. But he never stopped to consider like, but in, in that pursuit, he forgot that he is a person like he, for, like, or if he didn't forget, he was trying to forego it. He was trying to become something different in a way that I don't think he fully understood yet. Like, yeah, I just think he's, he's a petulant child at heart. He thinks that he can solve everything with a good conversation. Um, and he does that even in this, this like little dark Deku arc. And it's just like, dude, like sometimes you have to just like nut up and deal, do the fucking damage. Get rid of these assholes. Which is what he does though, slowly but surely. But then there's a tipping point where it seems ruthless, like completely like almost weirdly methodical and how like, remember there was the, there was like that kind of an end of the end game. It was like Midoriya went and got the second assassin and literally won before we can give a report. And the report is he won instantly. That that's that is, but you see him. He's like slowly decaying himself. Like his body is literally atrophying. Yeah, I don't know. They didn't do a good job explaining why he was like so driven, like other than to to end it as quickly as he can, to stop all the suffering, save as many people as he can, and to like not get his friends involved. Yeah, which right, is like right. all fine. But then there was this kind of like dumb, I think half episode arc essentially in the friend episode where all the um, all one for all guys are all sitting around in the fucking soul space and they're like, you know what he really needs right now? And, and, and I think it's actually interesting. Uh, Tomura's grandma was like, you can tell like this is a little bit of him, but it's also like my grief piled on top plus all these other guys grief. I think they should have uh, delved into that a little bit deeper to where like saying like, yes, he's being like kind of a little bitch right now, a little bitchly, but also we're not, we're like directly fucking with his emotions too. Right. He's, he's buckling under the weight of what their perceived failure to get the job done up to him. Right. Eight, eight people's failures. Yeah. Right. And, and so, like, that amount of pressure, like, think of what Endeavor's dealing with times fucking a bajillion. And that's kind of what All for One's capturing. Remember, he said, next, in, in that video, right. next, it's your turn. I'm, gonna, I'm getting you next. And um, basically calling out the same way that All Might gave, like, a symbol, not necessarily of hope, but of duty. And I think that pressure, the one flaw that I think I didn't like with the, the visages, kind of, well, one, he's essentially a jerky of like all the tailed heroes or whatever the fuck, which I think is a it's a trope we've seen before. But at the same time, they've imparted such a sense of astronomical weight of duty of destiny on him. And they had the audacity later to like, hey, man, maybe you should slow down. Maybe you should slow down a little bit. I'm like, 
you have this fucking high school where you're just told the fate of the potentially the fate of the court world and society in general is on your shoulders to get the job done and then turn around and have the audacity to go like yeah, but maybe you could chill out just a little bit, you know, like, you know, just just kind of slow your roll. And I'm like, no, like, what do you expect? A kid is like black and white as Deku going to do, right? Well, I, I found it a little bit odd because they're like, what he really needs is a friend. And it's like, he's got eight fucking people in his head. You think he's going to, he's that lonely? I think. Yeah, right, like, right. Maybe just like, don't be a dick when you talk to him and we can kind of get somewhere. Like, and, and he, I, he, I, I'm trying to agree with you. In that they're like very single-mindedly focused on the task here. They're like militantly focused on finishing all for one and not like worrying about fostering this guy. That's a really good fucking... Hold on. That's a really good point. I did not consider it till now. I'm heated now. I'm upset at these visages. They they, they angered my main character and it makes me upset. Yeah. Because well, what happens here is they had the audacity to say what he needs right now is a friend. But what's pr- the problem of Deku right now is in his head... He, he remember when he, he was fighting all of the class 1a and said you guys literally can't keep up with me therefore i'm the only one that can step to shigaraki all you guys would get murked and if i don't do this by myself i'm gonna have to watch you all get murked like i watch bakugo go down and watch everyone else go down so he's looking for someone which that, i think is super pragmatic personally right not not a bad look he just kind of goes the typical deku extreme of it but what i'm trying to get at so i'm like sorry Manetta, you've got fucking sticky balls dog you got what do you think you're gonna do against a guy like, who can actually, literally do planar shifts and shit and one thing i think super pisses me off still is the dub still uses like a, a like a super nerdy voice with uh, like, a, like a massive lisp for Manetta. Oh, come on, It's man. like, we like, get like it. Dish? Like this? Yeah, we get oh, it. You fuck. hate Mineta. <laughs> Everyone apparently hates Diaper Boy. But where I was going with all of that is the guy had the audacity to say he needs a friend. He, in his own mind, thinks that, you know, the his friends don't understand his his sense of duty, like the Because the he's fucking of- dickheads keep telling him that. Right, right. <laughs> so if only there were, I don't know, a collective of individuals right. that has the exact experience of that burden that could get to the heart of the matter with him and yet they don't he is like oh what he needs is someone that understands him a friend you know a friend that really gets him what the fuck are you guys doing like, what are you doing just sitting in your weird like council room in the middle of like planar space i don't know that that part that part did make me a little bit i didn't know i was this upset about it until now i'm like you guys are his lifeline. You guys can be his support. Right, no you one can understands. Be friends with them. Yeah, no one understands this shit like y'all do. And yet you're out here telling him, slow your roll. You need friends that get you. <laughs> wait, you, you want us to like talk to you about oh, our wait, experiences? Us? The ones that are stuck in your fucking mind talking to you nonstop? No, uh, no, 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 no. No, we failed. So you have our quirks and our responsibility. And we're yeah, just going exactly. to absolutely chill here and just like play solitaire. We're gonna, I don't, I don't, I'll tell you about my stupid smoke screen ability every now and then. Yeah, right. And I'll probably bitch at you to not use so much smoke. Yeah, yeah, right. Hey, man, maybe you should slow down. By the way, save the world. Right. Uh, but also, like, you have to fight the strongest person ever who's stronger now than when we fought him. Yeah, but take a breather, though. Yeah, but also, like, chill. Yeah, chill, but not too hard. Because, you know, you got a, you got a world to save. Right. You know? And it's all on you because we all couldn't do it. And honestly, All Might's a fucking husk of his old self. Yeah, he's basically skin and bones. He'll be in this room here soon. He keeps honestly. making poor Cutlet like a fucking simp. <laughs> he kind of does. Kind of. That did make me a little sad. Um, 
Young but, Midoriya! But and he like falls yeah. over as he's flying away. I'm like, Ooh, all right, yeah. all right, guys. You frail old man. But the, the one thing I will say in the class when I stuff that I really did genuinely shock me was Bakugo. Like, like finally got him and said, like, look, man, like... Well, let's, I think we should lead into that. Okay, with, let's lead into that. So, okay. like, one of the, I think, last three from the last episode was Deku versus Class 1A. Pretty fucking sick. Yeah, so basically he's out there like trying to deal with all these assassins, all these like prison breakers by himself. He eventually runs into this guy who's got this like puppet ability where he can just use everyone as like a shield and just like slowly and, uh, you know, basically incorporate everyone into the Borg. Yeah, Uh, we are Borg. We are one. Right. And uh, Deku is like, no, I got this. And but he's like so ragged that he literally just like collapses before he can do anything. Yeah. Class 1A comes in, waxes the despot guy because he's actually a loser. He's kind of sucks. And then they decide that they're like taking him back to UA. Yeah. Fuck out here with your weird like vigilante Batman shit where you're coming home. Like you're coming home now. Um, without asking him, by the way. Oh um, yeah, they're they're like, like, oh, t- yeah, you're coming home. They did actually ask him, like, "Hey, let's let's go home." And he's he's like, "No." It's like, oh, let's like, fucking do this. Fuck off. Yeah, let's fucking do this then. <laughs> and then so so they're like the entire class one A that he you know grew up with essentially is like using all their quirk abilities against him to try to stop him from running away. So sick. Um, which was a really cool, like you're saying, like graphical scene, obviously. Um, and like kind of a cool idea, but the whole time he's like, you guys just can't keep up. That's why I don't want to like, you know, put you in harm's way essentially. And they're like, we don't need you to protect us. We need you to like be our friend or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to be like contrarian here, but you also guys could not keep up with them. It took an entire class of kids to like hurt a very, very tired Deku who basically just fainted at the end. Right. Right. So let's, let's put this in perspective real quick. Because th- this was super sick, but to Ethan's point, there's merit to what Deku is saying. We have, at the end of that fight, the whole point is Deku is just trying to escape. He's trying to go back to his duties. He's trying to basically like distance himself from Class 1A. And he uses Black Whip. He uses Fajin, which is like a kind of energy storage quirk that's insane now. He uses 45%, you know, one for all, full count, whatever. And uh, he basically merges... And and float. He merges all these powers together to absolutely bullet himself away. He did this all by himself, by the way. And he had not basically maybe eaten or slept in like three days. It's, he's as fatigued as a human being can possibly be from just the looks of everything. What Class A had to do to catch up literally to that speed was, you know, create this ice ramp, rails acidity like slime to lube the rails up <laughs> then have Ida on those rails and then basically have like Bakuko exploding like speeding things up Todoroki basically launching this fucking like hellfire jet to fire him into space and then uh, Respo burst or whatever the fuck they call that repetition what what is what is Ida's like crazy like Respo burst or whatever the fuck um, Recipro boost, boost. Recipro boost. I think. He literally boosts himself to fucking max just to catch up with him. It took the entire class all working together, which was an amazing like Rube Goldberg machine of like quirk usage. So for me, it was absolute platinum like power combination, which was sick. But it took all of that to catch up to a nearly unconscious Deku. Ethan, 
They literally can't keep up with him. Right. Like, they literally, it took, it took a lot of ingenuity and a lot of power combinations just to catch up to him to pull him back to earth. And he was like mid fainting before they even like fought. Yeah. So I do yeah. think like very clearly there's a bit of a mismatch here of powers. Yeah. Right. And I, I think he's totally right that when they walk in to come fuck them up, people are going to die because I don't know about y'all, but I don't think uh tape guys got anything against, uh, you know, anything that can stop Shigaraki or Dobby or stain when he shows up. Um, he has tape, Ethan. <laughs> All right. Let's, that's let's, a really good point. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah was giga Chad. Uh, as everyone clearly knows. Yeah. Um, so, and end of the day, I mean, that was a cool fight and all that, but then it was the moment after they really kind of restrained him and calmed him down. Bakugo literally, he said, look, I'm, I'm sorry for everything. When I saved you and I got stabbed before, I moved on my own. And that's what heroes will do. And he, he admitted that, like, I always saw you as so far behind me and yet somehow so far ahead. And that was really a nuanced understanding of what he lacked, what Bakugo lacked as a hero. And I think we saw, I think, the full culmination of Bakugo's journey as becoming the kind of hero he wants to be because he never had that instinct up until that moment to just jump in recklessly to save someone else that looked like they needed saving. Um, and he bowed and said, I am sorry for everything to Deku. What an incredible like moment of humility from a character that was famously kind of a piece of shit to everybody and called everyone extras. He's still him. Clearly we saw the later episode. He's still him. He's right. They are all extras. They are all fucking extras. Yeah. So duh. So at the end of the day, like I think, did you, did you catch that? He was like, what do you think you're the main character of this? And we're all like, you know, we're all extras now. You think we're all the extras now? I was like, actually yeah that's exactly what's going on what do you what what about him literally outspeeding everybody did you not understand right um clearly so it that was really powerful i think that was a great arc finisher i would say kind of like a final downward curve into the final new like vision of the character of bakugo but it was that last moment i think of, of real potency that that really got me too is that when they finally got it back to UA and UA has bolstered its defenses to hold all of the refugees, they're all like, wait a minute, isn't that the fucking kid that like the guy we're hiding from is trying to get? Why is he here? Right. Get him out of there. Like, isn't he supposed to be going to do something right now? And um, the way that uh, Ochako, that's, that's, that's how you say your name? Ochako? Um, Probably. You, uh, you've, Uraka. Uh, uh, Uravity. Yeah. Um, Basically, her speech was really kind of potent. Like, look, she, pussies. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, like, basically, it's like, what are y'all doing? What are y'all freaking out about? Have you just fucking look at him? He's been out there saving everyone he possibly can, destroying himself. Look at him. Just, he's a person too. Us heroes are, you know, we, 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 we are your neighbors. We're your neighbors as well. We, we need rest like you all when you know we give you guys the peace of mind we need you to do that for us lend us your strength get like feel vulnerable for a moment so this savior potentially could rest because he's just a high schooler that has this entire weight of all of y'all's safety and protection on his shoulders 
And then other people like that crazy shark bunny lady came over and hugged him and um, the water kid came over and like, you know, basically said like, you saved our lives. Like, they're all like, shit, he... They're like, dang, but, maybe he's not such a piece of shit. Yeah, right, right, right. But, but again, that, that's a great moment of like, they saw him as nothing but like a hero. Like, you're a tool to keep us safe. Go do, go do that elsewhere. Like, we don't fucking want you here. He's like, well, no, he's, he's a fucking, he was like your neighbor like a year ago. He, yeah, I don't know. It, but it is like interesting to think like public servants kind of bit dehumanized in a way. Right. But like they also, that is their job to like go do the hard shit and we're all paying for it. Right. And that, that is, that is so a great point. it is point. like a little bit interesting. Like right. They, they are right, right. But for the wrong reasons. Exactly. And I think that's, that's kind of been the, the two main themes of this season was the concept of succession and duty. Like, what does that look like? The darker sides, the lighter sides, the redemption from, that, from trying to make that succession happen or the darker side. And what does it mean to be a hero as a public figure as it relates to you as the person, right? At the very end, them saying like, you know, you are a public servant, but that's your avenue is like, look, but there's still people. They need to rest so they can do the thing you want them to do. They, they have to get things that people need so they can go be more than people. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think they should have just been like, look, I don't need to hear any shit from y'all. Yeah, and just honestly, walk past yeah, them and yeah. like ignore the fucking plebeians is what I would do. Right. But that, Deku's mind at that moment was like, fuck, this is what I was trying to avoid. Like, that's why I had to get away from this place. He should have just been like, look, guys, I'm a literal god. Yeah. Bow down and I might save you. Give me some, give me some cutlets. Go give me some cutlets. Get me a bed. Get me a bath. Yeah. Or, I, or, I, or I mow you down. That's or I how kill it is. all of you. Yeah. Yeah. You think you're scared of one for all. Yeah. Hey, I'm not, like, <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. Yeah. You're locked in here with me. <laughs> kind of wild yeah give me some chicken give me some steak how's that let's do that but all in all this season was probably the best it's been since the conception of the anime yeah um it really got back to the roots and then some elevated the original themes and philosophies of not everything is black and white in, in a world like this and there's a lot more nuance to not just the relationship between heroes and villains but the relationship between the citizens and those forces as well, because they're the ones caught up in the middle. They have a voice as well. And we saw that kind of enacted. Um, so, yeah. And looks stunning as always, but Bones, right? Bones is absolutely crushing the game on that one. So um, I'm going to walk away from this season with, I want to say, an 87. And I was going to think about the 90s, but I, I think that the couple of the gripes that we did have it power cliffed in a way that didn't need to from prior seasons. Some of the, uh, you know, the talking points, like, you know, the Deku is being quite pragmatic and honestly, like <laughs> with the class one, a shit, like, no, they literally can't keep up with him. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that there was some beats that didn't tie in completely cohesively and it always gets a couple points off for recap app. So, how it's gotta be yeah i'm gonna give it a 92 i think the it's sort of like um if you have just like a shitload of coal and you find one golden nugget right right you know you're just like damn that's a real golden fucking nugget yeah um i think in this case like all the 
like last three seasons have been dog shit. So to get like a really good season all the way through action packed, like it, it felt long of course, cause it was 25 episodes, but uh, like really it was a joy to watch mostly. Um, and like having a bitch main character like Deku is going to make like some annoying things like that where you're just like, wow, he's being such a baby. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's like outside of the realm of like, like we know that though. This is season six. Right. And this, this isn't, maybe that's part of it too. The visage thing kind of, once we really dug into it, that pissed me off a bit too. In so much as like, I think it's bad and poor writing, but I don't think like, it's, it's obviously it's like the content of the, of the story, not yeah. necessarily the season's execution of it, but that's what, you know, that's what's also being evaluated here is that the visage, this trope of being the ambassador of some kind of internalized power spirit. We saw fucking Naruto. We see it all the time. Hell, we see it in Reborn. He's kind of like the visage of the entire family. God, in this I love past. that fucking um, show. So like there are better ways to do this. And I think that the way they handle it is a the power creep is weird. The usage of the visages are weird when they should be a support system. They're clearly not. Um, and it's a driving Deku to basically insanity. And they could have handled that written better. But overall, 87, think it's fair. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I think the Nomus is kind of a big issue, too. It oh, seems like, yeah. It seems like you can just have infinite, insanely strong people. And it's just like, all right. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, fucking A. So, honestly, what last question, though, is MHA back? I, I mean, I would say if you gave it an 87, I gave it a 92. It hard, it'd be hard to say that. Uh, you know what? Actually, it's pretty fucking We'll bad. answer the last season. Fuck it. But you know what? Thanks, y'all, for coming to class. It's a definitive. My Hero Academia is back in full swing. It's definitely so maybe. It's definitely maybe. So if you would like to discuss anything with My Hero Academia and maybe what you thought of this mostly latest season, patreon.com slash duology, one dollar and up gets you into the Discord with all the lovely Patreon folk and the past guests. We can discuss all that stuff there. If you're listening to this on a platform, which I know you are because you're hearing this voice right now, just go. Two clicks. Over. Down. You have all of our past content. Over 200 episodes and then some. If you like, comment, subscribe on the platform you're on, do that here. Why not? And if all the places you can contact us are in the description of wherever you're catching this content right now. I think that is nope. Three dollars and I'll get you the syllabus sidebar. Love <laughs> five, high five. Sometimes anime, sometimes not. Sometimes on hiatus and sometimes visual show. We're talking about life and things and play games and uh, challenge each other to various bullshit, I guess, which is kind of fun. But now that is everything. I am going to go edit like a motherfucking madman and meal prep my week. That's what I want to do. Sounds good. Until I can get myself fed for days to come. I'm Ricky. And I'm Ethan. And this is Millie Balji. Deuces. Cork war, baby. Cork war. We're getting singularity. The singularity quirk thing.